Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B I Z A R O. For all of those out there, thank you for listening in. You can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So, with that being said, I'd like to introduce our guest, Mo from Miami of Mo's Bunt Cakes. How are you doing today, Mo? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Justin. You're very welcome. I'm I'm totally blown away by your marketing, your advertising, your products, like how you've gone to market. So, you know, we we mentioned a little bit at the beginning that you didn't come from the food background necessarily. Um, you you were in other spaces, and you're you were sort of born out of COVID. So like so many other amazing entrepreneurs in the food game right now. So let's go all the way back though, Mo. Like where are you from? How'd you grow up? Like what was your life like? Did you grow up with entrepreneurs in your family? Um, So let's go all the way back. Take as much time as you want. This show's yours. As much time as you want, I want to tell your story. So let's hear it. Thank you. Um, Well, yeah, I'm I'm originally from Puerto Rico, uh, but my family moved to the States uh, when I was about 16, so I did my, my college here in the U.S. I then went back to Puerto Rico. Um, I was in the marketing um, work for, for many years. I used to be BPO marketing, director of marketing for different companies, in which I had the opportunity to, to work with a lot of startup businesses or startup brands. Um, so I think there was a little bit always of that entrepreneurial spirit in there. I do come from a family of entrepreneurs from, you know, my grandfather, my, my, my father, um, and I'm surrounded by a lot of, uh, strong, um, figures, uh, that are, have all that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and then I decided to start, uh, most bun cakes in the, in the middle of COVID. Um, it started with my grandmother's recipes. Um, there was something to her cinnamon cake, which was the one that started it all, uh, where I saw people's reactions whenever they ate it and how they couldn't stop eating it and how everybody's like face changed uh, when they did that, um, that kind of like pushed me to, to be where we're at um, today. Um, so in the middle of COVID, I had just resigned to my job at that moment um, a, few, a few weeks before the whole um, pandemic started. And when that happened, I remember a lot of my coworkers that I used to bring the cakes for, you know, at work or for my daughter's school. Um, they were all like, Oh, Mo, your cakes. And I'd be like, Oh my God, I've, I've done so many things for this company. And all that people can think of are, are, are the cakes. And that's where I thought, I thought of knew that there was something to it. So, so that kind of encouraged me, um, to start playing with the, with the concept, with the branding, uh, with the idea and the business plan. And um, two years later, here we are today. I want to talk about this a little bit because I think it's like so important and the way that you're doing it um, for a couple reasons. Uh, one is that it's so weird how like we're on this journey and we think like we know what we want in life. Like, okay, Justin's the food guy. Like I produce food for hospitals and food for long-term care homes, I mean, my business partners and I for 24 years and, you know, soups and sauces and whatever. And then weirdly, you know, uh, in the middle of that, the last three years I was doing that, I found, you know, you should do a podcast, Justin, and you should do, you're really good at networking people and, and all this thing. But I'm like, you know what, but I'm a food guy, like I'm a food person 
person you know like what do you mean i'm supposed to what is this like i don't understand i the radio like now television the television show we're working on and i'm always like and now we've we're forming this food entrepreneur group because around this podcast because all the entrepreneurs on the show are like oh you should just do a group and lead people in and you know there's a lot of entrepreneur groups out there but there's not one specifically for food entrepreneurs around the world to connect and you're already connecting them through the show and it's like but I'm a food I produce food I like food you know <laughs> not like this part and it's like eventually it's just like okay I I better just start listening in a little bit here because yeah. um God talks to us in weird ways that that's my higher power anyway and and for me, like this, I relate to this story a lot because I come from a background of entrepreneur. So I've always been entrepreneurial. Uh, I've always always ran and built my own businesses, which is funny because I ran very successful food businesses, but nothing was has become as successful or as energetic as now that I do this podcast or I'm in, I do three other podcasts also now. Plus we're getting ready to launch a TV show called Foodtopia, Eat, Love, Learn around the world with food entrepreneurs and in cities going on for 18 seasons over 12 years. And if everything goes according to plan and it's just your story a little bit. So let's talk about what did you do before COVID? I mean, yes, before COVID, like what were some of your careers? Because I think it teed you up in order like you were given all these skills in order to truly launch this because I see your skills coming together in this, this brand, in the food that you produce. Yeah. It's funny that you, you mentioned that because I've done some very odd things that you would never think of, but that I do see um, how they kind of led me to, to where I'm at today. Um, so very young in my career, working in advertising agencies, I had a client, kind of take me into an unknown world for me, which was the lottery world. Um, so for a while there, I went to different Latin American countries and started um, government scratch-off lotteries. Completely random. You wouldn't think uh, any of it, but because of my marketing background, everything was very marketing-driven. So it was totally different concept that what you think of as, as lotteries here. It went with the TV show and all these things. But I think the interesting part of that was that um, I had to go into foreign countries and sort of um, start distribution networks in a, in a lot of these countries. And I worked with a product which was volume-based, you know, because you had to sell like really like millions of it to, to be able to position yourself within the market. So I did that for like, I think the first like 10 years of my career uh, when I had no children and I was traveling all over the world. Um, and then like the past uh, five, six years, I worked for a, a very big development company in um, Miami. Uh, they're based out of Hong Kong. They have built huge projects in Miami, and at that moment, they were bring, they were building um, Frickle City Center, which was kind of like a, it's become a landmark uh, in the Miami um, real estate market because it um, it combined it was a mixed use project. It combined the retail with uh, with the um, condos, office space, a little bit of everything. And so I worked with that project um, from when it was still under construction, did the whole grand opening, then we had to kind of position it in the market. So I had a lot of uh, direct contact with the retail aspect of, of the business as well. Um, and I think all of this kind of combined what I, I mean, what I ended up designing um, to be most fun cakes. Um, I wanted to share um, 
you know, my family's recipes and kind of like make them cool for the new generations. I think bun cakes you always associate with your, you know, with your grandma or with home. Um, but I wanted them to kind of make them cool. So that's why we kind of spiced up all the flavors. We launched new flavors of the month all the time. Um, my daughter, um, she's a forensic a forensic uh, chemistry student, uh, but she's the one that comes up with, with a lot of the new flavors, um, which is kind of uh, cool. And people are always like looking for that. Um, and then with my my retail experience, I've kind of created um, the branding and the packaging in a way that it's all designed for special occasion gifting. So if you want to send, you know, someone a thank you, a get a well, a birthday, uh, even um, condolences, um, you know. People are always happy to receive food and it's something that is always comforting, which I think it's something that also um, has uh, brought a lot of satisfaction to me in the sense that people are always happy to see you when you show up because they always think you're going to show up with cakes. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's a little bit of, of my, my journey. And I think um, the marketing part kind of like helped me to design, you know, the brand, um, the concept. I knew that I wanted it to be accessible to everyone, not just to my local market. Um, so I didn't start with a, with a storefront. Um, I started working at a Pago's kitchen and we started, um, you know, shipping through our website and through social media. Um, and then, you know, recently, I mean, like, I mean, right after, like I say, like three or four months after we launched, um, Edible Arrangements uh, approached us and they had, I, I still don't know to this day, I really, really how they found us, but they, they, um, they loved, they loved what we were doing. I made sure and sent them some samples. Uh, the founder and CEO happened to be um, at that office when I sent the samples and tried them and they really fell in love with our products. So that kind of helped uh, give us a uh, brand awareness nationwide and, and position us um, a lot faster than what I had expected. This is uh, crazy cool. Okay. So there's a few <laughs> things that I love about this product. And like one, I, I am all, I love entrepreneurism. I love competition. I think competition helps us grow, especially when we focus on beating our previous selves or ovaries, improving our products. But one of the things that I've, there's, there's markets that are created and there's companies that create these markets, but if they sit in that market alone, they, they need competition. Okay. And there's, you know, there's huge blue ocean strategy, especially if there's a company like, Oh, that company's already gone nationwide. You know, how many companies said that about McDonald's and then Wendy's came along and Burger King and five guys and Shake Shack. Okay. So no matter what, once an industry is established, you can have competition within it. One of the things I will say, interestingly, is I've been, over the last four years, I've been to seven weddings, um, really, and weirdly, four in a really short period of time since March. Um, and it's just kind of crazy. And uh, one of them, someone my age, they were married the first time, but other ones were like, you know, nieces, nephews, friends of the family, stuff like that. And literally, out of the last four years, all but two of them have had bunt cakes as their thing. One of the things they serve the tables from a, the company that's out there that's your competition. I won't use their name. I won't give light to them. <laughs> but everyone, I think, knows who it is. But they 
blew up very quickly um but they need competition you know and just like there's a cookie company that's blown up across the country very rapidly they need competition someone needs to go in and go head to head with them no different than culver's has done with mcdonald's where they purposely put a culver's burger somewhere near mcdonald's to go head to head with them and while they're not focusing on the competition their burgers are different their service is different they know that by 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 going near someone and competing with them, even if you're just trying to attract the customers that are in the market, that they're saying, hey, I'm here. And that's what I like about what you're doing unintentionally. It's like, okay, like in the fairness of market and the fairness of free markets and in the world that we live in, in democracy, these are these kind of things are essential. And I don't know how to explain it, but people was like, oh, why would I want competition? Why would I want someone just like me? It's important. Okay, and being in the food service that I was in for 24 years, my competition was a French company. My competition was an English company. Okay, I didn't have any real American competitors, and you know what that left me with? Me fighting those international competitors all by myself. I would have gladly taken competition from a U.S. company that was the size of mine, or had grown to hundreds of million dollars a year in food. Because why I needed an alliance, even though they might have been a competition, because when it comes to fighting foreign entities that are backed by their banks of their local government, you're at a disadvantage. And I know people are like, wait, what? Believe me, when your company grows big enough, you're in an, a big market, the competition comes from every angle. So it's sometimes your friends or your enemies because you're building the same thing. So that's one of the things I just want to point out to the audience. It's very important. Competition is important. It's important we engage in it, even if we don't intentionally do it at first, if we're just following our dreams or pursuing a good cinnamon cake into a bunt cake like we've heard about here from Mo. So, Mo, I want to yeah, ask, think, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that I think that competition is definitely something healthy and it's always good. It also always pushes you to go out of your comfort zone and continue to be creative and find different ways to stand out. I agree 100%. It's always almost like competing against yourself. You're aware of what they do, but if you mimic them, then you're always going to be second place because you're just trying to be like someone else, and there's only one of them. So there's only you have to just be one of you, which is what I really like what you've done. I like how you've differentiated yourself in the market, your packaging, the way you ship the cakes, how you... um, package the small cakes which we'll talk about a little bit I don't want to give it away just yet because I want to go back I'm going to go back in our DeLorean a little bit and go back back to the future jokingly Um, but I want to go back to this 10 years of travel around the world okay it's something I talk about a lot in my other podcasts, The Centurion Leadership Battalion with Justin Bizarro. It's, you know, the three basic E's of leadership and entrepreneurship, in my opinion, is education, experience, and exposure. Exposure being to the world, experience being go experience life and stack skills no matter what they are because you don't know what they'll lead to. And obviously, education is informal and formal. It's, it could be college graduate school, that type of thing, but it's mostly about reading books and growing your mind also and educating yourself. So I want to anchor this because you talked about exposure in the world and the experience you gained from it doing the lottery tickets. Like, What was that like to travel the world? Um, You were, you know, doing this in a time that, you know, I can't even imagine what that's like. You're building literally a lottery industry or a scratch-off industry in other countries, it sounds like. So you're blazing trails. Talk to me a little bit about you know, how you grew yeah. or what the most valuable things that you can take from those 10 years were. Like, 
what what were the things that created Mo as we know her now from that experience? Yeah, I think that now when I look back, I I always uh, you know surprise myself that you know the fact that I did that at such a young age. I think that um, one of the things that was the most interesting to me is that I I think every country that you go to, you have to learn to understand and listen to what people want, and you know, and you have to be very observant of like what they need. Uh, because every country is different. Uh, in, in the, during that time, I worked in a lot of Latin American co- uh, uh, countries, and even though they all spoke Spanish, uh, you know, like the Spanish varied from one country to the other. But each country had their own uniqueness and their own way of thinking, and you know, every market was different. In some of them, there were uh, there was a lot of analphabetism. An I mean, you always have to find a way to communicate um, what you are trying to sell what you're trying to position and educate people as um, as you were um, trying to, you know, to penetrate a market. And at the same time, um, it pushed me to have to, like, learn more about, you know, each country and appreciate them and understand all the differences between one and the other. Um, I think that that was key. And I think that um, that's something that you can take away with you in, in, in whatever career you're pursuing that, you know, you want to have to listen to what your customers want, you know, and, you know, what what to provide to them that 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 is different or it's um, and, and kind of educate them as, as, as you go, as you as you're developing your brand or, or your concept. Um, but I think being exposed to all these different countries, it gave me uh, a better understanding also about, you know, the economic factors of each country. Um, I had to learn about coin devaluation. I had to learn about inflation. I had to learn about so many different things that I think normally I wouldn't have been exposed to um, if I've just been, would have been um, working, you know, here um, in the U.S. I love this. I love that you got this experience and exposure to the world. And I can't even imagine what it was like to just be on, like have, and literally you're right. The cultures change, traditions change. The language slightly changes, even it's all the same. It's like if you're a Northern American and you go down to the South, you can sometimes not understand what everyone's saying. Or you go down to New Orleans and you get that the Creole mixture. Or actually, in Pennsylvania, close here to New York City, there's the Pennsylvania Dutch and the Amish, and sometimes their accents you can't understand it, but they are speaking English. You know, so I just. It's just no different than that. And people are like, oh, what do you mean? It's all the same. But I don't think we realize English is different. Go to England and tr- speak English, where in the United States, we actually have a Dutch accent on our English for some reason. That's why we talk different than the English tradition, because of the Dutch influence, New Amsterdam, which is now New York City. Dutch were here first, We we're, and they traded. Dutch were big East and West Indian trading company. So the English that we had here because of trading and because of the mixture of the mixing pot, um, mixing bowl, I'm, I'm using the wrong term here, but anyway, the audience probably knows what it is, um, how the United States came together as this massively immigrated group of people that all were different. That's sort of the accent that came out. So... You know, there's a lot of different ways. I want to just anchor this because we are talking about bunk capes and I'm a total nerd when it comes to food and food (laughs) history because, like, I just can't get enough. Like, it's a weird thing. Like, if I don't know, I have to know. You know, it's not just something that passed in my head. So one of the things I find that's interesting about bunt cakes is they're actually traditionally come from something called a a Google Hopf. 
and that's G-U-G-E-L-H-U-P-F. And weirdly, in the 1960s, a company called Nordicware is the one who stapled the term bunt cake. Before that, they weren't called bunt cakes. It's no different than we use the term Xerox to copy something. Xerox is the manufacturer. Bunt just happened to be what they called the form of the shape that they were making to give themselves where they didn't have to call it a Google Hoff. H-U-P-F and have to worry about marking and advertising issues. So they created, Bunt became the name. It was the size of a donut at the time. Now they've become bigger and smaller. And they sort of just did that. And the reason I know that is just because for some reason, weirdly, I was obsessed with like, how did this company come to be that's all over the planet? How don't they have competition? Who's going to come kick their butt? I've had Bunt cakes growing up, you know, in my family or and my mom made them a lot, especially like the Pennsylvania Dutch style, which is just a little bit different, I guess. But also my Italian side of my family would make bread at it, like bunt breads, like sweet bread. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting thing where because we put a cake on it doesn't always necessarily mean it's true either, but they are cakes in every which way form. Even if it's a sweet bread, it's, it's somewhat like that. It's like donuts can be croissants. They can be bread. They can be cake. Um, so I think it's exactly like that. And that's why I use they're like donuts because donuts take on a lot of forms, a lot of substance, and they still are called donuts. Um, yeah, I just wanted to anchor that. So I'm just, this is totally one of the, um, this is totally just incredible to me. So why, okay, you're in COVID, you're trying to start this business. Let's talk about how do you, how do you okay the cinnamon cake works like how do you now take this to market how do you commercialize it how do you find a ghost kitchen how do you come up with recipes and how do you test them i mean there's so many questions because i'm like in the middle of covid how do you get food out there so i think you know it's like i said it started with the cinnamon um, recipe uh then like i had had like different experiences in, in different moments in my life like i remember when my my brother was getting married. Um, he's always been a health freak, but he loved the cinnamon cake. And he asked me to to come up with something for his wedding. Um, so going back a little bit, I've always been a very creative person. I, I painted since I was little. I mean, I, I've always been um, very creative uh, with my hands and just um, my way of thinking. So when, I, when his wedding came about, I ended up doing all the favors for his wedding, which is funny because you were just talking about the weddings. Uh, but that was one of my first experiences with playing with sizes and playing with packaging. And um, literally, I remember doing like, I think it was like 200 cakes and with two pans and one oven and going kind of crazy at that moment. Um, not knowing, you know, that I was going to be experiencing with that, with that in the future. Um, but I think uh, when the whole concept started coming about, um, there were already like different recipes that we did. It all started with the cinnamon uh, bun cake, but I had already started playing around with the guava or, you know, my daughter loved Nutella. So we ended up doing the Nutella bun cake. So there were uh, a number of recipes that we had already tried. And I come from a family of bakers. So my mom and my Grandma were always baking, you know, like a big uh, Latin uh, Spanish family. They were always baking for, for, for the kids. Until this day, you go to my mom's house and you're going to find chocolate chip cookies or lemon bars or cream cheese brownies. Um, she's always experimenting with things like that. 
which is a, fun, a funny thing is that I'm not a sweet person, even though I, I own a sweet business. Uh, but I did grow up around it and I do enjoy it just like, like everyone else. Um, so when I started playing around with the concept coming from the retail background, I was like, I don't want the big storefront. I don't want to be paying like the big overhead, the big rent, you know, having like a bunch of employees just sitting there looking at their phones. I kind of wanted to do something that I knew that basically everything that we were baking was sold and out the door. Um, so at the beginning, that was a little bit challenging on how to how to turn a one recipe and then scale it up and start when you start producing larger quantities. Um, it's not as easy as people think. So I did have to do a lot of research and, and learn about it. Um, the same with the packaging. I did take my time and I think um, COVID was very helpful during that time because we found ourselves with a little bit more time to figure out what we wanted to do. Um, and so I started doing more research on how could I ship the cakes because at the same time they're very fragile, um, so they don't break, they're protected. Um, how do you know you make sure um, that you know they're they're in good condition when people receive them? So there were a series of, of things uh, that I had to kind of like look into and kind of put together um, when when the whole concept was uh, was being born. Um, the branding and the, the 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 design part that kind of came easy to me because of my background, um, and so that's when I was like, okay, so let's let's start by creating um, designing a website, you know, start um, you know promoting it through our social media, um, and it really has been a, a an intense journey in a very short period of time. I love this, and I'm going to anchor this just because everyone's like, everyone's probably like bun cakes, whatever. One is like over 60 million bunt pans have been sold in the United States since the 1960s, since Nordicware created this. Okay. It's Pillsbury's marketing that actually brought it to the forefront in like uh, a home home cooking uh, magazine in the 1960s. But it's interesting because we don't even realize how much it's in our lives. Like KFC and a lot of locations, depending on where you go, actually has a, a triple chocolate bun cake. It's nowhere near as fresh or as delicious as the ones you get from, you know, like you as an entrepreneur. But I think it's way more a part of our society and our culture than we realize. Like those bun pans were used for a lot of different things, from making meatloaf to like jello molds, because I was a time we had fruited jello all the time, like growing up and like whatever that weird stuff is we eat as Italian that's like multiple colored jello with like candy fruit in and stuff that's not very good like a, I can't remember like a Ambrosia salad or something like that I think it's called but either way one of the things that has happened though is we've have a we have a we have an idea of what it is and it's a totally untapped market in terms of what I was talking about like you're there almost alone so it's like as you start getting this business like I think there was probably a curiosity. I think there there was a lot of things like you, your marketing, your how you package it, um, the size of it. Um, will you talk to me about that? How did you make all the decisions? Let's talk about the packaging it's in. I haven't told everyone because I want you to tell them um, sort of how you got to where you are, how you came up with the idea, how you're shipping it in the containers you're shipping it in. Yeah, so I think um, when we started, obviously you have you have um, like you said different sizes. We have from the mini one to our ten inch uh, bun cakes. Uh, I I think they all serve a different purpose. I think like you know you sometimes just want a, a snack on something sweet. 
um, while you sometimes want to celebrate a birthday and then you want a larger cake. So I wanted to be able to to appeal to to every to every occasion. And then when I started looking into the packaging, um, the one thing with the cakes, my cakes are super moist. There, that's the first thing that everybody says. Oh my God, it's so moist and it's uh, it's so nice and. To preserve that moisture, you have to make sure that, you know, um, they're airtight and, you know, there's, you know, they're sealed, um, especially during that journey from, from the time they leave our kitchen to, to someone's home. Um, so then I started different playing with different packaging. And I think nowadays everything, um, all, all the new products, are everything so experiential that I wanted people to have that experience when they receive the most pancakes box um, of like unwrapping the, 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 the box and, um, you know, it, it's sort of like the anticipation to that, to that, to that treat. And then, um, while we were doing that, then I also, um, thought of and, and came up with the idea of our cake jars, which has become like one of our most popular items. Um, and we, I put, um, three mini bun cakes in a, in a cake jar and, uh, that preserves their moisture. They're like an easy grab and go thing. You can throw in your purse. That way the cakes don't get smooshed. Um, and they, they stay fresh, fresh and moist as well. Um, and then the packaging part of it, um, also I wanted to be able to appeal to, um, to all the different occasions. I think, um, we're always celebrating something in one way or another, or you want to, uh, have, um, you know, uh, a gesture with someone, um, and you don't want to, you don't want to go overboard. You don't want to, um, go, go crazy with it. Um, so, so then we started designing the cake jars and now it's even involved to the point that we're able to customize the packaging and include your company's logo and information. Um, so we do a lot of like birthday programs, anniversary programs, and, um, we're able to to help continue, you know, to 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 expand on, on on our packaging, and people seem to to love it. Also, like a little bit of a DIY experience, we added to it uh, because it's very challenging to 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 ship something uh, with icing or frosting over it and not getting like stuck everywhere or smooshed everywhere. Um, so we ship out our a lot of our, our I mean our larger cakes with a separate a separate icing bottle. And a lot of the toppings uh, in some of the flavors, so it it all becomes very experiential for the customer, and I think that's something that have, people have really enjoyed and 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 they continue to love. I love this, and I love the connection here. Like uh, we talked about Norticware, they're still a family business; they still exist today. They still produce bunt pants for the whole world, and so it's sort of what you're doing. You're, you're building a legacy here. You've got this product. It was discovered during COVID. You mentioned your daughter's involved. She's helping with the recipes. You're already, you've got this international experience to grow this brand well beyond nationally. Um, in my opinion, and you've got a partner who believes in you, which if anyone knows that Chick-fil-A sandwiches were the originally way they started was because they were in waffle houses. They weren't actually an independent store. He just licensed them a chicken sandwich. And then Waffle House had a chicken sandwich that became so popular that Waffle House like, no, get this out of here. It's not ours. It's competing with our waffles. And so he had to figure out how to do it in a mall. He ended up doing it in one of the first four food courts uh, where they were putting food in. And he was like, I still say food courts are like the original ghost kitchens because we used to go there or cloud kitchens because you used to go there, order food, but not really. They weren't, they were shared spaces and they would, you could take it to go. And some of them even did delivery. So 
to my point, where are you hoping this goes, Mo? Like you've you've started building this, you have your family involved, you're starting to get traction in the marketing and advertising. The jars are a huge hit, I think, just from a marketing standpoint, but also from the taste of your food, obviously, or you know, people have to like your food, and so um, in order for it to do well. So tell me about where are you thinking this goes? Like, how are you handling all the growth right now and popularity also? Because I think that's important to understand what you're trying to build here. Yeah, I think I think as part of the growth, one of the challenges has been like all of a sudden a lot of different opportunities would come about. And I think it's making the decision and what's the right opportunity at that moment for you. And depending on where do you wanna wanna where do you wanna take your 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 product? Um, like our wholesale business has grown a lot. Um, you know, in the past year or so, um, we we have some corporate accounts like hospitals or like um, you know like we 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 um, wholesale to like different events or different things like that. I think everybody's like, oh, you should go into supermarkets. You should do this. You should do that. Um, and I think, uh, I've taken our time. I want to make sure that, um, you know, the quality of our product stays there, that we continue to, to serve our customers. Like, like we wanted to, from the beginning, we've expanded on our e-commerce platform. Like we, we recently launched, um, our store, um, and Amazon as well. So people are able to buy our product through there. Um, I do think that eventually we'll need to have a storefront just because everybody keeps um, asking us, where, where are you at? Where are you at? I think that's uh, that's something that eventually will come, um, you know. But it wasn't in my immediate it wasn't in my imme- my immediate plans. I do want to continue to to launch like new products. Like we recently launched the gluten free version of our product, and we're working on our on our sugar free. Um, we're also um, started for getting certified as as kosher coming up so there's like different steps within the same like food industry that i had no idea of that you know we've had to 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 learn and 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 adapt and and decide where where to invest our time and and our money as we continue to as we continue to to grow um i think my 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 ultimate goal is I want I want to I want to make Moza uh, a household name. I want to make it so like everyone um, gets to try try our cakes. Um, I think you know we try to keep it fresh and new with all the different flavors that we launched all the time. I've also wanted I mean I've also um, taken pride in in adding a little bit of my Latin background into into the products that we're doing because I think there's so many like. Uh, unique flavors that people might not be exposed to. Like, obviously, if you're in Miami, you do get a little bit of all that, but not necessarily everywhere else. And I, I, I find it interesting. The other day, I had to teach a, a French guy, you know, what guava was and, you know, explain, you know, how it is a tropical fruit and, and all of that. And then they loved it afterwards. So I think that's uh, also an interesting thing uh, that is coming about, like everything that we're, that, that we're doing. Uh, and like you said, it's it's uh, important to to surround yourself with with strong partners and strong brands, and it's just that um, that process of, of picking and choosing and understanding what works best for you, for you. I think because not necessarily what works best for your product works for somebody else. I I agree with you. Um, do you use like a DoorDash or Uber Eats or anything locally there in Miami, or is it just all online ordering directly or shipping? 
We do. Um, we do. We are. We're currently in, in um, Uber Eats and Grubhub and, and DoorDash, um, and we do offer that option to our local uh, customer base. We also offer local delivery um, in the Miami in the Miami area. Um, it's just that I think you know when it comes to like shipping fees and like uh, delivering fees and all of that, we try to make it as as affordable for for the customers as possible. Um, so uh, that's where we found that sometimes shipping it's a lot more cost effective for them than than delivering um, all over. But they do have the option to do that if if they want to. So they they want to satisfy an immediate craving, they totally can. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, so let's talk about this a little bit. What do you find? What's the difference that you find in um, in sending stuff in the mail versus being able to do a catering event um, or doing a DoorDash or something like that? Is there a, is there variation for you? Like, how do you handle all that? Um, I think for us, it's just different ways of reaching our customers. I think. Um, uh, we do get a lot of those uh, catering opportunities and things like that, which I think um, it always helps with your your brand awareness and and to be able to expose uh, more people to your to your product. Um, I think the the shipping just allows you to reach uh, well beyond you know your radius, your immediate radius. Uh, but I think the 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 delivery platforms and all that are great also because sometimes people don't. Um, you know, they, they want that immediate fix. They want it. They want it then and there. Um, I find that a lot of our shipping, uh, most of our shipping, I would say like, like 85, 90% of our shipping, um, it's, uh, it's, it's gifts that people send to other, to others. Um, although sometimes they just want to treat themselves, which is part of our slogan. But, um, I think a, a lot of it is, um, wanting to, to give to give to other people. And then you see a lot of uh, repeat customers, once they do receive it, uh, they, they fall in love with the product, then they either um, order for somebody else or, or you know, or they just want to continue to to try it for, for themselves. I think that's something that, especially for the food industry, was a, was a game changer during COVID because I think, although we were used to buying online, I don't think people were as, as used to buying food, um, you know, on, online. Um, and I think, you know, when, when I started playing around with the whole um, most concept, that was one of my biggest worries. It's like, how do I get people to fall in love with my product or want to order my product um, when, they, when they're not having the chance to, like, tr- try it right then, right then and there? Um, so that's why I think, like, photography for us was so important because that's a way to make people to to really capture what your product is all about without being able to test to, to test it. Um, but I think each platform serves a different purpose. And I think um, the combination of all of them, you know, kind of uh, makes makes for bigger success, success or, or makes it all work better. I love this. What's your, what's the most popular bun cake you sell? What's, what's always hands down to, is there one that everyone always orders that you know is your number one or is it, very. So we have four signature flavors that I think they're all competing between between them, um, which makes a lot of people or our most popular items are our assortment boxes. We have assortment boxes um, or the assortment of, of cake jars um, because it's almost like they want to try a little bit of everything, which I find it funny because sometimes you get a family and then one loves the Nutella, the other one loves the cinnamon. 
Um, but I think our, our guava, our cinnamon, our Nutella, and our dulce de leche, which is like caramel, um, it's they're all like super, super popular. So um, our assortment boxes bring a mixture of all of those. And I think people really, really love that. Um, and then you also have like the people that are looking for like what's the new flavor of the month all the time. Like during the holidays, we had a coquito flavor. I'm not sure if a lot of people know what coquito is, but it's a, a, a very uh, well-known Puerto Rican alcoholic drink, especially served during the holidays. They call it like the like the Puerto Rican eggnog, even though it doesn't have any egg. Um, so we did a cake with that. That um, caught you know a, a lot of uh, people absolutely loved that because it was a, a, a different thing. But we do from like cookies and cream, biscoff, um, coconut, this month pistachio. Uh, we're always like trying to switch it up. We've done collaborations with um, some alcohol brands. Like we did one with that rosé um, that that came out delicious. Um, so it's kind of exciting to continue to to explore on the on the different on the different flavors and and to see what people like. Now now a lot of people like send me suggestions like oh why don't you try this or why don't you do that and I think that's a, that's a fun thing. This is awesome. Talk to me about like the relationship with edible arrangements. Do you ship to all of their locations then, or do you ship on their behalf? Like, because they are located all over the country. Yes. So with edible arrangements, we found a, a, a like a partnership where basically they sell um, our products through through their website. So we they send us the information and we send directly to the, to the customer. So it's almost like drop shipping for them, um, our products. Um, and we're in, in current conversations to then start supplying to their, to their stores. But obviously that, that's a, a, a bigger, a bigger uh, production. So that's actually what we're in the middle of, uh, of, um, of working on with them right now. But they've been a great partner and super supportive of us from the beginning, uh, which I think what they do is great, giving, you know, um, smaller businesses like mine the opportunity um, to engage with their platform and their customer base. What's your favorite part about being in business for yourself? Because you've sort of, you've come from an entrepreneurial family. They obviously had influence on you. And, um, and but also, what's your favorite part of doing this as a business? Like, what are the things that you enjoy the most? Um, and, you know, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, how fulfilling is this for you to sort of be an entrepreneur now growing up in a family of entrepreneurs? Um, I, I think, uh, you know, being your own boss, that that's priceless, definitely. Um, and having a flexible schedule, that always, that always uh, helps. Um, then, you know, I was a single mom for, for, for many years and I always had a challenge of like how to balance, you know, my personal life uh, uh, as a mom with, with work, um, especially by, you know, having your, your own business or being an entrepreneur, you do have a lot more flexibility doing that. And I think also, um, you know, getting to do um, a living out of something that I love, um, you know, I think that, that that is priceless as well. Okay. And so like, what did you learn like along the way? What are some of the entrepreneurial things that you would wish you knew, you know, now that you wish you knew when you started this business? Like how can you help other entrepreneurs do this as a business? Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, one of, one of the things is that you have to have a confidence and you have to believe in, in yourself and, and trust your, your instincts. Um, I think not, not everyone is supportive from the beginning, uh, but that's okay. They'll come along. They'll come along once you see they see you 
uh, su succeed through in your journey or being happy at what you're at what you're doing. Um, I think that um, it it does requires uh, you know like short term sacrifices um, you know for for long term rewards. I think that's something that um, I, every every entrepreneur I think uh, faces um, during the journey. Um, and you just have to keep um, your your focus and your and your vision. Let's talk about your background in marketing because we talked about it beforehand. What an important thing. You talked about how you bring your products out there, the boxes, the stuff like this. But let's talk about it on a higher level. Like, What are some of the skills you think you've like gathered along the way? Because we touched upon it. Marketing, I think, is one of them. But what are some of the skills that you lined up that sort of I don't know, for me, it's like God put these obstacles in my way or these careers in my way or these businesses in my way that created who I am now and, and the success that I have now with the podcast and the things I'm doing and relaunching another business called Freedom Foods. And so like those type of things, I feel like I, they stack up. So tell me a little bit about these skills, your background and, and how they've sort of aligned to give you what you have now. Yeah, I th I think uh, marketing has been um, crucial in you know in, in the success of, of of most bun cakes from from the beginning. I didn't realize it so much at the beginning because I thought you know it came so easy to me or it was something natural um, that I thought everyone thought you know the same way that I did. But I've realized like talking to other entrepreneurs uh, in in different in different fields, um, a lot of people come and ask me for my marketing, um, um, you know, like. Uh, consult. They they they're always looking for my opinion or ways to help, which I'm happy I'm happy to give. Um, but I think um, marketing has changed so much over the past uh, years in terms of like all the digital um, world that has come up. That I think um, you know it helped for me to create a strategy as how do I wanted to 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 launch our product. How do we want to position our product? How to continue to to market to to our consumers? Um, I think that it's something that has um, allowed me, you know, to 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 reach a lot further than than if I wouldn't have had that that experience. Um, I think it helped uh, position a product a lot faster than I thought of um, because I, I realized how important it was to have good photography, to have a a, a, a good website. Um, it was important to create a database for your your customers and how to how to reach them, um, how to engage with uh, with them during through your your social media. I think these are all things that that are important. That it's not just creating; it's it's a combination of things. It's not just uh, a lot of people think, oh well, I launched a website and automatically the orders are going to come in, and that's not the case. The, definitely, there's a lot of more work that goes into that um, than doing than than doing that. Um, and that's where I think um, my marketing background kind of like helped um, help with the the, the development of, of, of most um, from the beginning. I think also from like event event planning and understanding uh, the importance of, uh, of the brand awareness and reaching as many people as we can. Um, all of that plays a plays a role in it. You talked about needing to educate your audience when you were in the lottery tickets have you found that you've had to educate your audience on bun cakes or or on your product like and what does that look like if if you do um you'd be surprised but i think i think you do i think uh, you should never take for granted that your customer base uh, understands 
everything that you're putting out there for them um, in the sense that, I mean, especially uh, in such a competitive industry, there's so many cakes, there's so many desserts out there. You do have to educate them as to what makes you different or um, all the all the different options that, that you're offering. In our cake, in our in our case, we do have uh, great um, recipes, and um, I mean, I do put an effort to making sure that all the ingredients that we use are premium are premium ingredients. And um, I think people notice the quality of our product when they receive it. Um, that, but also all the other options that they have um, in terms of. Um, your packaging, the special occasions, like uh, a lot of times I don't think people, I mean, you sometimes have to give people ideas of, of what they, of they want, of what they want or offer, how they can use your, your, your product or, you know, Oh, why, why don't I think of that? Why can I, why don't I give them uh, a cake or why don't I do this? Um, so I do find myself like educating people all the time as far as like, Oh, we can, we can, Offer, we offer this, we offer that, there's these different packaging options that we offer, so we can customize your packaging. All of those things, um, I do find myself um, educating them as to what we can offer more, more than anything. Now, do you sh- how far do you ship? Do you sh- only ship in the United States? Like, where can they find you online? Where can they find you on social media? Just so they can look at what we're talking about here. Absolutely. So our website is uh, mostbundcakes.com. That's M-O-S-B-U-N-D-T, cakes, with an S at the end, uh, as well as our, our social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook uh, under uh, at Most Bun Cakes. Um, we currently uh, ship nationwide all, all over the U.S., including Puerto Rico. But we recently started, I have uh, I have a customer, for example, that they they do a birthday program with us where we ship cakes to to their customers um, for their birthdays, and they had a bunch of uh, of um, of employees in London, for example, uh, which I thought it was it was interesting. And there, at first, I was like, well, I don't I don't ship internationally, uh, but we recently started doing that um, for them. So who knows? You know, maybe in the future we'll we'll do that. The shelf life of our product. Um, some most of our flavor, most of our, our flavors, um, because that's something that we have to be careful about which flavors we put out there, in terms of their shelf life. Um, but you know they they can be without refrigeration for up to fourteen days. Um, so that's something like I wanted to make sure in case they got lost, you know, in the mail or something like that, which doesn't happen. But if it did happen, you know that to make sure that when people receive them, where they were still well. Um, and then they could always refrigerate them and, you know, they could last up to you know, more than, than six months, um, if they're refrigerated as long as they're, as they're sealed. Um, so that, that, uh, helps when, when you're shipping to make sure that the product that they're going to be receiving is the same, you know, quality and fresh as, uh, when they leave our, our kitchen. I love it. I love it. Um, who were your role models growing up or who are your role models now? Like our mentors or people you looked up to that have inspired you, um, you know, to keep going and like, how do you find motivation every day to do this? How do you, how are you inspired and, and why keep doing it? Um, I think for, for myself uh, to keep motivated, um, I'm a believer in practicing um, gratitude. I'm extremely thankful for where we are at. I thank God for um, everything, uh, every, every little uh, accomplishment I, I, I appreciate it. Um, so I also, you know, embrace, uh, you know, positive 
peer pressure, uh, uh, feedback. Um, I try to surround myself with positive people uh, and set small small goals. I think uh, you know I, I'm constantly setting setting small goals, and and as we accomplish that, accomplish them, that motivates me to continue to continue to continue uh, growing. I mean, going. Um, in terms of role models, I think there are so many uh, people to look up to in terms of like role models. Um, like Steve Jobs, uh, Mark Cuban, Oprah Winfrey, like all of them, I think uh, you learn something from them in terms of like focus, how not to, how not to give up, how to continue going, um, as well as, as family um, role models that, that kind of taught me um, to keep going after what I want and believe in your dreams and, and, and stay focused. Um, so I think it's very important to, to surround yourself with, you know, uh, a positive group of people and also people that share, um, your vision or, or your dreams. Yeah. And I think you're going to do so well with this product. You're going to do so well with this product just because like, I feel like it can grow. I feel like there's people who want to franchise it or whatever direction that you want to go. Ultimately, people are going to go there because it's like it's such a unique thing. Uh, it's um, it's simple in that there it sticks within a certain category. Um, it's a baked good. You have to put it into a pan, so like you have the right serving sizes. It's the ingredients are controllable. The costs are a little bit controlled. Uh, you know, other than there's other outside costs, you don't want to overdo your labor and whatever else. But I like what you're doing here a lot. Um, Thank you. And I think it's really cool. So two questions within that. One is, which what's your favorite bun cake? And two, what's your favorite food or meal in general? I'm just curious. <laughs> it's funny, my daughter asked me that yesterday. <laughs> um, I, I my favorite continues to be the the cinnamon bun cake. Uh, one, it's got a, a dear uh, place in my heart because it was kind of the one that inspired me to continue to do this. Um, so it's still my, it's still my favorite. I mean, and you can go wrong with the cinnamon cake, whether it's for, for breakfast, lunch, dinner, like any, any time. Um, and in terms of like the, the food, um, so I do love, uh, pizza and I do love, uh, sushi. So as well as my, 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 my Latin, my Latin food every now and then, uh, you can have enough of the rice and beans. Uh, Puerto Rican style. So, uh, so yeah, I would say those are my favorite, my favorite foods. All right, Mo, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, if you could tell the world anything or leave anything behind, whether it's for entrepreneurs or for the world, we talked a little bit about what you would tell yourself, but I want to sort of give you the mic. Like you have this time and I'm going to have you back on the show. I'm going to reach out to you eventually and get you back on. Cause I want to hear the story of your growth just so the audience knows, because I'm curious because I feel like you're really on to something and I feel like this is something that's going to grow and um, lots of years of hard work and stacking skills and stacking wins have led you here. So I want to continue to tell the story. But if you could tell the world anything or leave an impact on the world and you knew that the world was listening right now, what would you say? I guess they are listening. Well, I think that you know you have to listen to your 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 inner your inner self and and follow your gut. Um, I think you know success is something that it's a relative term. I think if you achieve what you what you want to and you're happy 
uh, at what you're doing, then I think you're already succeeding at what you're doing. And I think um, there's so many different opportunities. Also, don't be afraid of um, failing. I said, just try it, go for it. Um, because, I mean, I, if I wouldn't have tried it, I never would have known what um, what I could do and what I, what I could accomplish. And um, I hear that so many times from, from different people that they say, oh, I want to do this or I have this idea or, you know, it's like, go for it. I mean, if you, if you believe in what you're doing, um, I think that you can accomplish anything. Oh man, I, I guess I lied. I, that gives me another question. Like, talk to me about your support system. Like you talked about your daughter being involved in the business. Is, is she becoming part of the business? Talk to me about this a little bit. Cause you obviously, maybe not everyone's supporting what you're doing, but I have a feeling that they are. Talk to me about your support system and, and how valuable that is to you in order uh, to achieve the project that you're doing or the success you have or building a company like you're building, however you want to look at it. So it's funny because I feel like I do have a support system and at this and at some time I I I, I didn't have one. Uh, my daughter has been the most supportive from the beginning. She's she's 20 years old now, and uh, when I decided to start with this whole journey from the beginning, she's been cheering on the on the on the sidelines. Um, she does have a business mind, so I sometimes find myself having like the business conversations with her. And she does bring a lot of insight, uh, funny enough. Um, so she's been totally supportive and from the beginning. And sometimes uh, I might be hard on myself in the sense that, you know, I, you know, you always want to do more than what you're doing. And she'd be the one to be like, mom, you have to think of like you've accomplished this or you've done that. And she points out all the, all, all the things that you're doing. And then sometimes it says, well, OK, maybe 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 I've been too, too hard on myself. Um, I do have a very supportive family, but at the beginning, I must say, a lot of people were like, she's she's crazy. She's leaving the security of a, a corporate job or uh, the stability of, uh, uh, you know, of what she's doing um, to explore um, something completely unknown. Um, but I believed on what I was doing and I had something that was telling me to to do this. And I listened to that and kind of, uh, you know, I think now people you know two years later they they are more supportive and they're more understanding and they see you know that I'm doing something that that I'm enjoying and how people are reacting to it so I think there's always support around um you just have to 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 learn to just listen to to what keeps you motivated and keeps you going and try to ignore um the the ones that you know don't don't share your vision. It's just they do it. I mean, they do it out of love as well. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes they go like, "Well, it's so much work," or or whatever. But I think when you're passionate about what you're doing, you just keep going, and um, you know, you wake up every day and and you appreciate all the little things, and and that makes you happy. I really love that you have so much passion for this. That you have such tenacity. Because I do know exactly what you're talking about. There's like the support and there's the there's what I would call negative support where the people are kind and loving, but there's they're almost putting projecting their own fears on you. And 
and um and so I know what that's like obviously and and I've been dealing it with my whole life uh, mainly being in the entrepreneurial space and it doesn't get any easier interestingly no matter how much you succeed there's always the person that thinks you might be going too far and um especially close people who really care about you and they don't want to see you stressed and they because to them like as busy as you get or the the passion or the emotional attachment to your brand and your business um, can seem like a lot to a lot of people because they go to work, they emotionally detach, they go home, and then they live their lives. Where when you're an entrepreneur, you're attached to this, you create it, it's like your baby, not the same, but in a way, businesses are living, uh, growing uh, things. That's why in our, in the legal system in the United States, they basically function as a human. Like an LLC is like equivalent to a human in a lot of ways. It pays taxes. It it has to grow people. It has to figure out ways to support its family. It has to figure out ways to deal with crisis. It, it All the same things, okay? A company can declare bankruptcy, so can a human. And they function very similarly. So I love that this is there because I feel... There's so much passion in what you're doing, and there's so much drive that it, at this point, it doesn't even matter what's out there, what obstacles. You're one, inspiring your daughter to just conquer life and conquer your dreams and go for it. But number two, you are growing at such a rapid rate, even now, uh, after all of your years of experience. I mean, shoot, for most people, 10 years of traveling the world for business would have been a growing enough experience, you know, let alone start your own business, let alone let's take this place all over the country, let alone let's, you know, start shipping internationally. Okay, not only that, let's partner with this really big company that already is doing things that has a level of standard that has customers, I think, um, all of it's incredible. So you're an incredible human, um, number one, and I'm inspired you. by you and motivated by you. And oh my I, God, you're, you're going to make me cry here. <laughs> yeah, I. Sorry, I'm not. I'm just. I'm blown away, and I think it's so cool because it's never too late to be an entrepreneur, and it's never too late to find your space. No different than Colonel Sanders when he started Kentucky Fried Chicken or KFC. How old he was, you know, and he. He inspired Dave Thomas, who would then go on to create Wendy's, you know, and Dave yeah. Thomas at a time was actually one of the first franchisees of KFC and helped build the th brand as we know it. So you're like inspiring people, you're growing people, you're already, your daughter who's 20 years old is seeing this as a model. And as someone that was so young in entrepreneurism, and I often... You know, they say it's not really a, a, you're not really alone at the top, and that's true. There's these weird valleys that happen before you start really becoming an entrepreneur, or if you haven't been an entrepreneur and you discover that you should be one and you stack the skills into it, it's like all of a sudden you find purpose and you find, you know, something that gives you life again. Um, and at least for me, and at least in what I've experienced with other individuals as well, so I feel like there's this whole new life to you. And I won't call it defining you because businesses and things in our lives don't define us. We are who we are. But it's almost like this whole new purpose you found in life to deliver your personality, your loving nature, um, to express yourself. Food's just the vehicle. Would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I think I think one of the of the most fulfilling things in this whole journey have been actually. Uh, people's reactions. Uh, one that I do find myself um, a lot of people telling me how much 
you know, I inspire them or how, how, you know, I encourage them in some way to pursue what they're, uh, what they're thinking of or, or dreaming of. And at the same time, it's just, um, when I see people's reactions in general, like, um, whenever we're at an event and I have that direct co- uh, contact with, um, with our customers and they're so excited about the product and, you know, and so supportive and cheering you on, um, that's something that kind of like keeps me going all, all, all the time. You know, um, I've had customers that have like all of a sudden called me just, or, you know, a random person that I met somewhere and they've just called me to tell me, keep going. I love what you're doing. Um, you know, you're inspiring me. You have a great product. And those little things are, are worthless because, you know, that keeps me going, uh, every day. Um, I mean, obviously like every entrepreneur, we all face challenges and, and we are constantly thinking of, how to um, continue to grow and and on all the the different things, but that part I think is the emotional part that kind of like ties you to your product and um, and it comes across and and it's been uh, priceless for me and it's something that keeps me going every day. I love this, um, and just just to like to anchor this, like I think you're going to have impact, and if it and 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 you're you're reinvesting in something that has had such impact in American culture. Like I said, the bun cakes have just been a part of a society and a representative of America since the 1960s. Like, you know, even the Smithsonian, which if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's basically the group of museums, libraries, research centers. I think they even have zoos uh, across the country on from a national government and they weirdly are part of our nation society but they don't function within our government so it's kind of this weird thing and they have hundreds of millions of different artifacts from around the world and from the united states but bunt cakes and the like bunt pans have had such an impact on american culture that there's literally like some of the first ones ever made and some of the first ones ever marketed in there so it's like they're this huge thing and it's this huge staple of american culture that almost was starting to fall asleep and there's a competitor out there that's obviously doing it but i don't think they're doing it in the way that you are and i don't think they have the creativity and while there's growth there and it was rapid it doesn't have the heart and soul of a product and a brand like you have and i think that part of it is because of you so i just want to say that that this oh, personality you so of yours, this human that you've become, this the principles that you live by that we talked about, these core values have totally translated into your brand. I mean, and the audience, you know, like as we were warming up here and I'm pulling up the notes and we do a lot of podcasts, like I'm doing four today. Um, I didn't do any yesterday and I didn't do any the day before. Or actually, that's not true. I did two in the morning before a networking event with a bunch of food entrepreneurs in New York City at Bell Fries. She was also on this podcast twice, uh, Anna Lee. And the there's these staples. There's these things that come to define us that pave the way so we can then, for lack of a better term, step on them to leverage ourselves. But at the same time, Anytime we create a business, we have to educate our audience. And we talked about that too today, which I thought was huge because of your background. You understand that it's not about necessarily promoting your product and advertising and marketing. It's about attracting people by educating them in a way that's not teaching them, but it's sort of you're wanting them to catch what you're saying. You're wanting them to catch what you're throwing. You want them to sort of be attracted to it. And 
you know, often people are like promote, 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 but you talked about the photographs and launching a website during COVID and having to think about it differently. And the way you went about it, because I think this is really interesting is, you know, reels and stuff and food photography, while it did really well on Facebook in like 2008 through 2012, I know I was one of those riding of the waves. The reels and the the food and the food photography is recently after COVID really come front and center. Anyone who watches reels knows what the number one topic is on reels. It's food for Instagram yeah. and for TikTok and all of them. No matter what is on there or what you think it's dancing or or whatever, or something has a lot of views. If you look at the cluster, the food entrepreneurs who are creating reels, who are creating videos, who are creating photographs that are doing well are figuring out how to make their things attractive. They're not necessarily promoting them. Okay, and I know that's hard for everyone to understand. Well, what do you mean they're doing a photo and they're putting it on Instagram and they're writing a story about it and whatever. They're, you guys are doing it in a way that's bringing an audience to you that's wanting them to, to do it. And then once someone tries it, they're obviously talking about it. And that's the thing that helps with the reels too. Like once people see it, if it's something that's attractive, they start to talk about it. If it's a promotion, it's like, oh, that person's going to do a deal with me. I'm going to get their business and then they're done. You're not thinking about it. Well, I hope to have them as a long-term client. But when you think about it in the way that you did and having to get a million people to do a lottery ticket, I think it instilled in you this, like you have to have repeat customers. These people could be lifelong customers and I keep saying this, but talk to me lastly about how you manage your loyalty with your customers. How do you build relationships with them? Like, how do you make sure that they're not just a one-off? Like, oh, they did it. I got my money. I don't care what happens next. Like, talk to me about that because I think it's important in your background as well. Yeah, I think the quality of the product, it's its number one, because obviously if you're offering a, a, a good quality product, uh, that speaks for itself. But I think with my customers, I like to have my uh, a one-on-one relationship as much as I can with my customers. And at the same time, we continue to, to keep them informed of, of what we're doing. Like you said, not so much about like promoting or what sale you have going on or, or, or what you're offering, um, but, but just... Um, teaching them about like new things that you're doing or things that they can do um, and continue to, 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 you know, to keep that, that, that relationship uh, with them. Like I recently started doing um, um, e and direct marketing that way. It's something that I didn't want to do from the beginning because I didn't want, I feel people are so saturated with that. But I think sometimes it is important to keep people informed on, on what they're doing. I think social media, more than anything, that's a way that um, that helps you, um, you know, keep your, your your customers informed of what you're of what you're doing. Um, but I think uh, you know it's it's important to have, and we do find it a, a lot of times, like like you know, a repeat customer uh, percentage is very it's very high. Um, I think a lot of times, sometimes even people just send a gift and they get such positive feedback that then they start ordering for themselves and then they continue, they continue, they continue to order. And I, 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 I love it when I see that because that's just reinforcement that you're doing something right and that people are liking your, your product. But I think it is very important to have that direct contact with your customer because you also, I guess before you have to listen to what they're, they're saying. A lot of times, you know, you might think uh, that you're doing the best thing and that's what works, but they might tell you different. Um, so I think it is important to to always listen and, and, and engage with your with your customers as much as you can. 
I agree with you 100% and building that relationship over the long run is so important. Um, and not enough people do it. Not enough people realize how important that is to build the relationship in any way you can, not just have a transaction with them, but, but yeah. build that, um, just out of curiosity, I mean, how many days a week are you running? How many employees are you running at this point? Because your popularity is obviously increasing. Like, how have you figured all of that out? Did I Hello? lose you? Yeah. I'm sorry. Let me ask the question again. How have you figured out, um, how have you figured out, like, growing? Because you've obviously growing. Your popularity is growing. Um, and how did you figure out how to grow this business um, how many employees do you have? Do you run 24-7? Because you are growing. You are having to do orders. You are shipping all over the place. You have edible arrangements. Like, Are you going to outgrow your current location relatively soon? Questions like that, just because I'm curious. So it's funny because uh, I had to learn about growth like relatively fast. Uh, um, like I mentioned, originally we were working out of a ghost kitchen, a shared space. Um, so during the two years, I've already like moved uh, kitchens three times. Uh, we have a bigger space now, our own space, um, where everything's produced. Um, we produce Monday through Friday from nine to five or as needed. Um, because mostly Saturdays and Sundays we don't, you know, we don't ship. Um, so that gives us a little bit of a, a, a break there, even though we, we spend, I mean, we, we end up working as well, either uh, participating at events or doing, or doing things like that. Um, I currently have a team of, uh, of four uh, full-time employees. Um, one of them started, you know, baking with me out of my house uh, from when we started and they continue to to grow and seeing you know how how the journey has uh, taken us from one place to the to the other. Um, but I think as you grow, you have to start like thinking a little bit ahead of yourself as to where as to where to go. Um, and and that's where I find myself now. Most of the time, uh, I'm not so involved like in the production day to day of it. Um, I'm learn to, you know, work more the business aspect of it and see where, where do you go or how can I continue to grow this or how can we improve on, on that, um, learn a little bit and, and sometimes, you know, find, you know, talking to or networking with other people that are um, in similar industries as yours. Um, all, all of that, I think it's a combination of all that that helps you, helps you with, with the growth um, and, and find strong partners along the way. Um, um, and not be afraid to ask for, for, for help or, or for advice. Uh, I think that's something that, that it's key as well. I think people are sometimes eager to, to, to help or provide you information. Um, just like I do with other people that approach me. And sometimes we forget that, you know, and, and we need to remind ourselves that, that it's okay. You can ask for help. And if you don't know about something, um, you, you just ask and, and that helps figure it out. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on my show. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it. And I love this episode. Like I could keep asking questions and, but I am just gonna, I'm gonna, I've written them down so we can continue on a part two when the time is right. And we give you some time, um, to, to grow a little bit here over the next you know few weeks and months um, because I do want to continue to tell your story this is I'm absolutely fascinated by you and what oh you've been God, able to catch you. and um, 
I just think it's so cool that you were able to chase your dreams the way that you did. And, and with that, it's like something was instilled in you and you grew it, grew all the skills throughout your life and then found something and that was already there. That was a family thing, a tradition, something you loved. And it became this business. Um, and now like you're influencing people through it. You're, you're providing food to them to celebrate, whether it's edible arrangements or eat the cake or, or catering or just in their home, you're bringing joy in this happiness and this personality of yours, um, which I will call more like your principles of like goodness and kindness and patience and uh, doing the right thing and being a, a, model, a model behavior and leading by example. And so, I mean, you definitely go the extra mile. There's no doubt about it in my mind because even as we've tried to do this podcast, you've just been one of the best communicators. Like, really, like, that's something that I appreciate and it's rare. Like, something that's rare in this world right now is good communication, concise, clear communication. You do such a good job at that. So I just want to say that also. And we can talk about that Thank more you. when we do it a part two and how you got there. But it's really spot on. Um and I find myself to be a really good communicator. Um, sometimes I'll even edge on over communicating just because I want to make sure it's understood. And I believe in clarity is kindness. And so from your standpoint, clarity has been kindness. It's very kind, especially as we dealt with everything, because not every entrepreneur who comes on the show is as thorough as you are, follows up, or if they don't see something like the invitation for today's show, you followed up on it 15 minutes beforehand and you communicated very clearly. And it was just a breath of fresh air because that's not always what happens. I love all the entrepreneurs that come on the show and all of them are obviously a little bit step above everyone else if they're willing to come on the show and put up with my questions. And one of the things being like, we are not a show here that does promotion. We're not a promotion-based show. We we try to attract people to our show through a good message, through having the right principles, through trying to grow other entrepreneurs that don't have mentors, that don't have the opportunities that we've had maybe, or the right influence, or it didn't come to them, or they're scared, they have a lot of fears, or uh, they didn't come from an entrepreneurial family, so they don't know how to go about following this dream or this weird seed that was planted in them or instilled in them. They don't know how to grow it. And so really cool, Mo. I really, gosh, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate this. And I grew today immensely just from your story. I mean, there are moments of silence where I'm like, I need to ask a question, but I'm like, I just need to pause for a second because I'm absorbing this in. I'm like, holy crap, this is incredible. And, you know, I hope that you always know that you you have something special um, and you have a gift. It, maybe it was developed and maybe it's something that was instilled that you've grown through your own actions, but it's something that is needs to be shared with the world. And I hope that you really continue to tell your story as part of your brand and your history, because I think it's just so important and it's so inspiring and it's so motivating and you're totally the American dream in so many ways. And I just wanted to say thank you again. Um, and will you tell us where you can, we can find you online again one more time, just so the audience knows before we get off? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I just want to say thank you for those uh, kind words. Uh, I'm really humbled to to hear that. And I love sharing my my story. And if I can inspire anyone to pursue their dreams, uh, uh, that just automatically makes my day. Um, you can always reach me at, um, you know, at mosbundcakes.com. Uh, that's M-O-S-B-U-N-D-T. 
C-A-K-E-S.com. Um, and the, the same um, through our social media platform. You can find us at, at mostbondcakes.com, uh, through Instagram or, or, or Facebook. And if you have a question or just want to wanna talk, like feel free to reach out. Awesome. Love this. Everyone in the audience, like I'm not going to go on here because I don't have a lot of words because I'm, it's, you know, people blow me away every once in a while and I go speechless. This has been this today's podcast. I've d- tried not to do as much talking, but I, I haven't been able to. I'm just like absorbing it in like I'm the student here. I'm not even the one running the podcast anymore. It's like I'm turning the mic over to Mo. You should run my podcast today. And, um, <laughs> and, I just wanted to say thank you again, and the audience, I thank you guys for listening in, really. Um, one of the things I will say is that when I stop trying to promote it, I talk about this a lot, and I'm just going to attach to this, not because it's happening, but it's just coincidental, but I guess a lot of people would say there are no coincidences. I agree with that a lot as well. Preparedness meets opportunity, and when I've let go of like trying to get the numbers, when I've let go of trying to just make it be more than it is. And I got back to the message that it was like, I'm just trying to do good. And I'm trying to spread the message of the entrepreneurs. I've gotten so much better, you know, interviews on, we have such better content coming in. Weirdly, we are exploding across the world at a rate that I didn't even like when I started this, I couldn't even dream the amount of thousands, you know, tens of thousands of downloads we're getting a day from countries from all over the world over 134 at this point. And actually, it's weird because there's three countries that have popped up in the last four weeks that I even know existed. And I'm pretty nerdy. So I study the globe and I want to travel the world and have traveled the world. And so I pretty much knew every country, but there's these like three little pocket countries that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a country I didn't even know it existed. And so my point being this, it's the weirdest thing to say, but when we detach from the outcome and we do the right thing, it's what attracts people to us. When we push things and we promote them, people can almost tell we're promoting it and we're trying to get a sale. We're trying to grow things and there's our egos also involved in that. But when we're just there providing what Mo's doing and following their dreams and their heart and and have a good intent and, and wanting to have impact and bring people joy through food, like it changes the game, guys. And it's weirdly inverse relationship to money. Like you, when you don't chase it and you do the right thing, that's when it starts showing up. It's the craziest thing to me. And it's hard to get there because you think I can just inverse the relationship, but it's not quite how it works. The inside of you has to match your business, like meaning, and then the outside starts to grow, meaning your business and you start to grow. So if I start working out all the time, the first thing that actually changes my mindset, I'm changing my mindset to be in better health, to be in better shape. So your business is the same way. If I'm doing it to actually service the customers and bring love and know that food is a vehicle by which people gather and people break bread and people find love and people go on first dates and people have laughs and families come together at sometimes it's the only time they're all together in a day you know that we realize our impact on that it goes so much farther than the money we're ever going to make and weirdly the reward becomes so much greater because it's you don't even think about the money or the trophies anymore you think about oh my gosh I'm helping my employees you know their their dreams are starting to get big enough because my dream's getting bigger you know and I'm supporting this and I'm creating jobs and I'm having all this positive impact and getting positive feedback it almost becomes more rewarding at least for me and um 
So I just want to say thank you again, Mo, for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Um, amazing. Mo's Bunt Cakes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate the opportunity, and I love to be able to share my story with you and the audience. Awesome. Everyone who's listening in, I thank you guys. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find me on Instagram personally if you're asking. That's B I Double Z A Double R O. Uh, Justin Bizarro, all one word. You can find me on Facebook also. If you want to find this podcast, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. I love you guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening in. Continue to give the episodes and the entrepreneurs you know or you're listening to high ratings. They're episodes. That's how they get out there. That's how they spread their message. It's just the way it works. It's through attraction. People have to get validation from other people in order to be attracted to stuff a lot of times. So in order for our messages to get heard, you know, if you like what they're saying and you support these entrepreneurs, that's what we have to do to help attract people to their businesses, attract people to their message. Because I will tell you, Mo's message is going to have a lot of impact on a lot of people. And it could impact thousands and it could impact millions, but it's whether or not it's attractive to people. And people are often attracted to the validation of their friends and family. Just saying, because then someone's done it for you, not because they're just promoting you, but unintentionally when we talk about the, the companies and the things in our life and the things that we like, we're actually attracting people to it. It's not that I'm saying, oh my gosh, can you believe Moe's Bunt Cake is awesome? No, it's because I'm like, oh my gosh, I had the best cake ever the other day and it was from Moe's and I don't know what it was, but it was so good. And there's like this energy that comes out of you. That's what people want. Oh my gosh, I want some of that energy. I want to feel that good about something I ate. I want to feel love through food like that, even though it's subconsciously, you know, you don't realize that that's what your body's telling you a lot of the time, but it's that. So again, thank you, Mo. Thank you everyone in the audience and we're out. <laughs>